Part 3 November the 9th, 1914 The spell of fine weather has broken at last. Drizzly rain and high wind, so that my Dita comes in useful. There is a great exodus of patients from the casino. My own contribution is 38. Later I take in 11, all serious. Two are Germans, one a law student of 21. I think he will lose a foot, but I intend to make a big effort to save it. I have a conversation with the colonel, who assures me that I shall have a job as the hospital pathologist, even though a big pot, to wit Deste Emery, comes out to do research on tetanus, malignant edema, and so on. November the 10th. The day is windy, with occasional showers. I am kept pretty busy. There are a number of serious cases which demand a considerable amount of attention. I go to the sergeant major in order to discover the identity of my lab attendant, who I am informed has been lent by number five. He turns out to be one knight, a corporal, but to be engaged at present drawing rations. I have no time at present to pursue the matter further. November the 11th. I am informed by the Sergeant Major that Corporal Knight is required as an ordinary non-com, and that Major Unwin has detailed one Patterson, a dispenser, as lab orderly. I find the said Patterson, and discover he has had no training. So I take the Sergeant Major and hunt for Major Unwin in order to make a protest, which is probably futile. By good luck, I meet the colonel close to the lab, so I show him what has been done, get him to requisition a cupboard and table, and very delicately lead up to the question of my attendant. The result is that Corporal Knight, on his return from Boulogne in the evening, is detailed to the lab. I start him at once to get the incubator going. He is more encouraging with regard to the petroleum incubator than most people with whom I have discussed the subject. I am relieved of my ward duties for two days in order to get the lab into proper order. November the 12th. I spend a most enjoyable morning in the lab with Corporal Knight and make really excellent progress. The incubator is positively lamb-like. I get an army portable table up and improvise temporary cupboards out of Red Cross packing cases. In the afternoon I visit Boulogne in an attempt to obtain various properties for the lab. I interview the ADMS, who is most affable and helpful. I pay a visit to number 13, where I find Sir Almroth Wright with three assistants. His lab is in the basement, and very pokey. The staff are rather supercilious, and by no means helpful, though all, except Wright, seem to be engaged on tasks which could be done equally well, and possibly better, by lab orderlies. I have the fortune to run across one McClellan of number 11, who not only invites me to do a small piece of work that I have in his lab, but presents me with a small amount of an essential aniline dye which had gone missing from my outfit. 
I had a warm bath in the hotel of great luxury and return well satisfied. November 13th. I continue work in the lab and I receive a number of requests to carry out tests. I am confirmed in office and I am to take over sanitary duties from Black. These are not arduous, as far at least as appears to the eye. There is a rumour that we are going to take a house and start a mess. I rather like the idea, but do not worry one way or the other. November 14th After two days of gale, the wind this morning is not so strong, but very cold. I find the autoclave in the lab grateful and comforting. I consider the feasibility of turning the autoclave on to brew a hot bath. The drawback is that the bath opposite is used as a sink. I hear definitely that we are not entitled to a ration allowance, but are entitled to draw actual rations. This is a strong argument in favour of forming a mess, as the rations could then be utilised. November 15th I hear today that men in number 13 are actually in receipt of a ration allowance. If they, why not we? The colonel and both majors visit the lab and are much impressed by several elementary stunts and show childish delight in seeing bacilli under a microscope. I start on sanitary duties by doing a round in the most villainous weather imaginable. I learn of the death of Lord Roberts with great regret. This is tempered by a feeling that no more dramatic exit could have been made. Had the country listened to him, there would probably have been no war. Paris receives a letter from Richards, who is with a field ambulance at the front. He sleeps in a farmhouse three miles behind the firing line and goes out at night to collect the wounded. November 16th. The weather continues blustery, cold and wet. Major Harrison, a noted pathologist and joint editor of the Royal Army Medical Corps Journal, arrives from Havre. He is evidently out to establish the science of pathology on a firm basis in the Wimmera district. He proposes to annex two more rooms and commences to draw up a portentous list of the articles required. I notice that my name has not appeared in the usual rotation as orderly officer. I do not know whether this is an omission or whether I am not in future to act in this capacity. The latter view is almost too optimistic. My sanitary duties are not too arduous. Major Harrison proposes joining forces with 14 stationery, with the lab, of course, in the Splendide Hotel. Joyce will come and work with us, and we shall do the routine work of both places among us. November 17th. The weather is wet and miserable. My day was spent in the usual manner. With Major Harrison, I excogitate a plan of campaign and compile a fresh list of goods required. The Colonel suggests that I should go to London in order to see that proper stuff is sent. I jump at the suggestion, but later discover that the Major himself wants the trip. November 18th. The weather is fair but very cold. The Major sets out for England, 
leaving us to carry on, in the army phrase. He commissions me to obtain guinea pigs, etc., locally if possible. So I set out in the afternoon for Boulogne. Oldham and Paris accompany me. I get the address of a livestock dealer, but fail to find anybody there. I meet two friends, and all five of us have a very pleasant dinner party. Home to bed in an ambulance, which we managed to collar. November 19th. I move into a new room, leaving the old one to attendance, as the heat generated by the autoclave is oppressive. I continue the sanitary work and make some very edifying discoveries concerning the drainage of the casino. I spend much time standing in mud in driving sleet, along with the colonel, who seems to like this variety of weather, and to be able to think better when thoroughly wet and shivering with cold. November 20th. The weather was fine but very cold. The pipes were frozen in the early morning. No word of Major Harrison returning. I make a further expedition into Boulogne after rabbits and guinea pigs, but meet with no more success. The walk-in, however, makes one feel better. Much talk of new digs. Oldham migrates to another hotel. Paris and I are not yet decided on the matter. November 21st. Still a hard frost. I receive a parcel from J.E.P., containing Muir and Ritchie's Handbook of Medical Bacteriology, some potassium tellurate and a Glasgow News. Also, I get communications from the inspector re of vivisection licence and certificate, and from C. Trust, enclosing a form of report on work done. They seem to belong to a previous existence. I talk with the Colonel and Captain Clark regarding the war, they think it is likely to be long. They suggest that before very long, Royal Army Medical Corps men at the front were sent to base for rest and a change of work, and that we shall be sent out in their place. The weather is certainly very cold for trench life. Paris records a case of frostbite in the last batch of patients. Tonight, the Colonel says that Black can resume sanitary work in order to leave me full-time for bacteriology. November 22nd. I meet Major Harrison at breakfast. He has returned, bringing his sheaves with him. I spend a delightful day unpacking and setting up the apparatus. To my great disgust, Corporal Knight is sent back to number five, his original hospital. There is no efficient substitute to be had at the moment. The Major believes in getting a job finished once he begins, and in consequence we both turn up nearly an hour late for dinner. The weather is scarcely so cold, but still sharp. November 23rd. Very cold morning. I settle down to serious work, namely investigating spore-bearing anaerobes, which infest wounds contaminated with manured earth. Royal Pindi Hospital for the Indians has settled in the Hotel Continental. I think that soon every building in town will be a hospital of some sort. I am much amused at the gas supply. 
batteries of stoves, rings, asbestos fires, etc. have been installed, and there turns out to be barely sufficient pressure to keep a single jet alight. No two jets can work simultaneously, unless the supply is much improved. I receive a plausible explanation of our wanderings on Palm Branch. When troops were moved up to defend Calais, the fact was kept secret. To have established a hospital there would have given the plans away to the enemy. So we were kept there without orders, apparently lost, in order that we might attend to the wounded on the hospital ships. As recorded, we did actually attend to 400 or so, and we were quite unaware that we were on the spot other than fortuitously.'